0: Shop Aminix, you're listening to another episode of Shop Talk Show. Pip Pip Cheerio. I'm Dave Rupert with me Miss Chris. Oh, uh Stars and Stripes. Coya. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did it. Hey, Chris. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> Accents always make a good podcast what's going on i'm always like so ready
1: to do it and then and then you surprise me with where you're gonna go and i can't i can't i can't hang but yeah uh. we were just talking that i'm uh i'm gonna i'm um, uh, i haven't left yet by the time this airs i'll probably be back who knows how time works in the in the world of recording things ahead of time but i'm headed to london for jamstack Comp, which should be pretty cool um they're not I don't, they're not like sponsoring this episode or anything but they've netlify runs the conference and this particular one they're running in um uh, in concert with smashing mag or smashing mags like the you know because they have their own conferences has a whole team for that so we're kind of running this one but it's kind of brought to you by netlify anyway it should be pretty cool i'm a big fan of the jamstack thing
0: jamstacks exploding um seems seems like people are picking up on it um what what does what does jamstack mean in your life is it impacting it uh... greatly
1: Yeah, I mean, kind of. I'm just like a big fan of the approach because I think I've called it healthy in the past, which is cool. Like of all the, you know, the things and trends that happen on the web, a lot of the trends anyway, like push the web heavier and there are like easily identifiable problems with them. Not that like every web trend is black and white, good or bad. But sometimes, you know, you look at things that happen to the web and be like, I could see that going wrong. And I don't think Jamstack is absolved of that. In fact, I've heard some some like pretty fair pushback on it sometimes. But for the most part, I think it's good. And you know, I know we haven't sat here and defined it, so we could probably do that really quick. But it's you know, it's an one of the acronym things where the acronym is like not super great if you ask me. But it does the job, and the the momentum and weight behind the movement is already happening. Same thing with serverless. Like the word is stupid. You can be as mad as you want about serverless is the word, but it's like too late. It already has momentum and it's already meaningful and I'm just over caring about it. Jamstack, you know, the the, the acronym is JavaScript APIs and markup. So, you know, the first two are like, well, you use APIs with JavaScript. So it's like, eh. And then the markup one is like, it's not it doesn't it's not prescribed that. Every single page on your site is pre-built markup, but that's what it kind of like spiritually suggests in a way. And so what gets associated most, I think, with GemStack is static site generators like Jekyll or 11t. we talk about on the show because it's Zach Leatherman and he does a good job with it and it's really nice. So that's there, but 11t is a small player in a big pond of static site generator products. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that world is blowing up. So if you just used a static site generator and made a site and hosted it on static hosting, that's very much a Jamstack site. Uh, and then people are like, well, some sites work for that, some site doesn't. DaveRupert.com does that, right? Are you still on Jekyll or did you move it?
0: Uh, I am on Jekyll, but uh, I, I, and I love Jekyll, uh, but all my other Jekyll projects are creeping over to Eleventy. So um, just... Just speed is a big one, you know. Um, So
1: you've probably written hundreds of blog posts, maybe, you know, there's maybe a thousand pages, who knows, on DaveRupert.com. When that runs, it literally makes a hundred or a thousand of .html files. And then it mm-hmm. distributes them. Th- those are shipped. So there is no PHP server that finds the right one. There's no database request that happens to go get it out of a database and, pr- and then build the markup and plop it on the page. It's just ready to go. It's done. It's absolutely static files. And I think that's the clutch part of Jamstack. That's like that's what really matters. That's like a big deal. That it's always static hosting is almost always a part of. Jamstack, which is, you know, why I made that set, you know, it wasn't, the the title was just stupid clickbait, but more like Shamstack, where I'm like, static hosting SH APIs Mm -hmm. in markup feels more right to me, because it calls out the static hosting thing, which is, I think, kind of a big deal behind it. But then there's people that, like, let's say you were to push it to the, 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 the other extreme, like as far away from the spirit of Jamstack, but still have it be Jamstack. Well, you could have One index.html file. It's just index.html. There could be one div in it with an ID of root, and you could load up your bundle. And your your bundle meaning, yeah, you could. And that single page app then hits, goes, you know, makes database requests or API calls elsewhere to get all its state and data and and such, and then blasts itself onto the page. Is that still Jamstack? Yeah, I think it is actually, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. it's static hosting and it's hitting APIs for data and and rock and roll. So that feels very different than a Jekyll site, but are connected in that same way and that they're still statically hosted and you've kind of separated the concerns out of getting more data and stuff. I
0: I like that it sort of marries, I guess, not marries, but does not divide those two concepts exactly, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. I do think like there's a nice undercurrent of performance culture in the Jamstack universe. Um, and, and to which I think you want to pre-render and then hydrate any kind of single page app, uh, you know, although I've, I read on the Google developer blogs (laughs) that rehydration is a little expensive, but, um, Uh, just because it occupies the main thread or whatever. But, but I I like that there's a performance culture and I do think like pre-render whatever possible, you know, it's totally possible your app can't pre-render anything or if it did it, like it would be way too much effort to pre-render something versus, you know, like I'm going to pre-render just an empty app shell, you know, it's like, well, the user gets nothing, maybe some colors, maybe I guess that is an advantage, but like they don't get much, you know, so anyway I, th- I think it's I think it's like a cool bit of architecture um,
1: and then I think what gemsck is trying to say is that okay so now you got Dave Rupert, a Jekyll site or you use one of these other dozens and dozens of great static site generators. does that you do I look at those as a developer and say well those are only for a certain class of site like certain type brochure sites and blogs or whatever that the gem is trying to say no you're not right. It's not like this architecture is perfect for every site in the universe, but it's much wider than you think it is. And that's when the the J and the A come in. You know, they're like, don't, you can still use JavaScript here. You can still interact with the web through APIs. Please don't feel limited by this stack. So you want to have a form on the site, which normally needs a back-end language to process it and do something with it. You can, but just use a serverless function instead or have some other service that's built for that do that do you want to have auth you can have json web token based auth on your site do you want to do e-commerce sure stripe has ways to you know to take money in that type of situation you'll probably need some cloud functions to do it so it's kind of like you still have this you know as much pre-rendered stuff as possible but you you can do e-commerce you can do all anything you know like the what you can build on Gemstack is really wide and powerful and that's part of the message of jamstack it's like don't don't feel limited by this this is still a a good thing and like you said it there's this perf under culture to it because when you're shipping static files and static assets and it's already on a cdn and stuff you're starting from this home base of like super speed mm-hmm. so like yeah then why don't you keep it you're like kind of encouraged to hold on to that speed as you go which is nice
0: i do like uh, you know there's some technologies I don't know like um you know nuxt or next yeah. or or that sort of want to have a node server underneath I know now and next kind of split it out into a bunch of serverless functions so it's a little bit different now uh, but like you know they kind of want like a a node server running, to render to string or whatever it is. Isn't
1: that fascinating that you think but of the, the these products aren't necessarily in, their e- like Jekyll doesn't have any multiple modes to run in. You just It pre- it makes static built site and that's it. But the ones that are JavaScript forward, like Next and Nuxt, right, they have different ways you can run it in. You can run it like Jekyll and totally pre-build everything. But it, I feel like. do you think, I mean, you kind of said they like it. I think you're right. I think they prefer to have kind of a server back behind it so that it's more like a php app it's more like there's a server side generating stuff or it's capable of doing that and then it spits it out kind of
0: dynamically it's still ssr but it's not pre-built yeah it's kind of scripted and stitched together so anyway i but all to say it's it's very cool frontier and i i i do like you know and then you mix in graphql which is a pretty cool technology into all of this and it's like like you see there's a documentary out about it now it's a little Oh really? About the roots and the
1: early oh, days boy. of graphql oh, and stuff
0: Oh boy okay all right i'll, I'll have to watch it it's i, only like I 30 love minutes watching long. train wrecks okay <laughs> it's um, it's like
1: thirty minutes long, and it's like mostly Facebook people being being really excited about what it was like. And you know, it's funny. It's like the spec was published or something, like the first ever like for real spec of it in like two thousand fifteen or something. And here we sit in two thousand nineteen, and it's like mega hype machine, loads and loads of huge sites running it in production. That's a pretty big success story, really quickly.
0: Yeah, I I think it's cool. I think you know, I don't I I don't think it's panacea but you know the, one of the reasons you're like oh i need wordpress or whatever and wordpress mm. is still good that's not what i'm saying but you're like well i'm gonna have like a million posts and like a million posts on my jam stack isn't gonna it's gonna take too long um, yeah so right like, that's Let why me that, get a the, database going it's a but great then, distinction
1: you know, to make there is that you can pre- you can pre-build some shells if you want to too and that mm-hmm. that shell can then hydrate itself. I know maybe I'm misusing that word a little bit, but like, it doesn't mean that you know you can go halves and halves with some of this stuff. Sometimes,
0: right? And I think that's good. I think like, but you know, at some point you do want a database. If you know, I don't know if you're storing lots of products or lots of things, but you know, and historically, then you want like a language or a server. You know, you're you want it very tied together or you like build out a bunch of rest APIs or whatever. And then if you're like, Oh, I need one more piece of data. You have to go to the backend team and get a thing. But kind of the promise here of graph is like, Oh, I just query, I I just tell the database what I want it. And it gives it back to me, you know?
1: Right. It doesn't absolve you of a good database structure though. Certainly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm just, it's kind of, you know, I think one of the reasons you use WordPress is like, well, it's going to be, you know, hundred or thousands of products and, you know, thousands of posts. And, and, uh, and I just need to fetch that from the database and do all that. But like the, the reason for doing that now, I feel like is, is getting less and less because you, you could still like have the content management in WordPress, but you don't template in WordPress. You, you template outside of that whole app, that whole content management. So
1: yeah, it's a huge discussion is that you can build Jamstack and still leverage even even something like WordPress. But although, you know, there's plenty of people that push back on that and say, like, listen, if you're going to go down this road, why don't you go down a road that, like, kind of treats headless usage as a first-class citizen in a way? And there's options there, too, which is interesting. I, I can see both ways, you know, like for legacy reasons, why not keep it there? For comfortability reasons, why not? I don't know. There's a million.
0: Well, no, I'm, I'm- – I'm running a... I have a single-page app. It's not out yet, but it's... You know, it hits some APIs, like WordPress APIs, and gets back some data. Um, and that's great, um, but I'm pretty divorced from that system, so I have to, like, file a ticket to get something else back from it, you know? And so that's a little mm-hmm. bit of a deal. But um, it's... Uh, but, yeah, I don't know that it's built for that, you know? You get to, like... Like WordPress's thing, right, is is caching. Like it doesn't ship with a caching strategy. You, that's like add-on, um, which probably saves them a lot of headaches. But like for an API, you need a caching strategy like pretty intensely because, I mean, if I can write a JavaScript, <laughs> I can write JavaScript that hammers an API, you know, like, like mm-hmm. really easily. So you need something that saves it from falling over because you are like making PHP hit a database and that is expensive stuff. So especially at scale. So that, so if to you're say like, uh, if like, I
1: don't want to even think about that, maybe I'll just use contentful or something because then right,
0: like maybe they, cause they probably have handled scale at some point. I would be surprised if it's just like a wor- big <laughs> WordPress multi-user behind there. No, um, it's not. It's probably, <laughs> you know, like something extreme like go or something like that is really high concurrency, you know. Um so anyway, that's uh that that would be like one reason I'd maybe look that way. Um but these are all big decisions, right? Like just okay, uh, what kind of website am I building? Okay. Uh yeah. So I, I think there's still a lot of I think it's still back to like WordPress being 30% of the internet or whatever right now. I I think it cuz it works for 30% of at least every website, you know. So. I think
1: the fact that I'm even having and participating in conversations like this is, I, I guess my, my talk at this conference coming up is going to be, oops, I guess we're full, full, full stack developers now because I feel like that was kind of like just arrived at my doorstep without me planning to do so necessarily, uh, you know, be, <laughs> become full stack, you know, and it's like, mm, I guess I am now. But it's not, I don't know, it's... Uh, one of the first websites I ever built was a WordPress site. Bought the domain, chucked up the hosting, played around with the CSS. Cool, I have a, a website. In, in a sack that day, I was full stack, too, because I wasn't just limited to just changing some stuff in a CSS file in the HTML or whatever. I managed to do the back end, too. There was database queries happening there and stuff. You know, it's like I didn't bring my deep expertise to make it happen, but I made the website happen, you know. That was, that was cool. And, and I still am to a degree. So if I decide I'm going to use a static site generator, go to the JAMstack approach, maybe I'll put a CMS on it, maybe I'll the deployment is no problem because I'll put it on Netlify or GitHub Pages or something, I'm still, I'm that same person as I was back then. I'm making this website happen. I'm full. I'm full stack in a way. I've I've dealt with the data stuff. I've dealt with the hosting stuff. I've dealt with the pipeline workflow stuff. I'm the designer of the thing. I'm the content maker of the thing. I did all the front end development. Wrote all the JavaScript. Wow. You know. You did full stack. I did it. You know. I didn't. I didn't deal with some traditional back end stuff like setting up a relational database and spinning up a MySQL server in the cloud somewhere or something you know like I, there's there's things that I didn't have to worry about that some back-end devs do it doesn't mean that back-end devs are not useful or replaced or anything in fact they're probably just as useful or more than they ever were thanks to the growth of the web but but I all of a sudden feel very full stacky and I think lots of people do
0: I guess you're kind of describing it but like your initial reaction to the term "full stack developer"? What was your initial reaction?
1: Oh, I don't. know. I mean, I've never been like accused of it. People didn't come up and be like, "Chris, you're a full stack developer." But, but I, I guess I wouldn't feel that way right away. Or I'd feel. I think the vibe for a long time has been like those people are unicorns. You know, they're really rare, and the people that call themselves that or think of themselves in that way or or try to hire for that or something are kind of just fooling themselves and that maybe they kind of do it all, but probably not particularly well. They probably do one or the other better. And the people that like really kick butt at the whole spectrum of doing web everything really are pretty rare. Mm-hmm. And now yeah. I, I got. I mean, I guess I still kind of feel that way to some degree. But what I think has happened is that some of the stuff just got so much easier that mm-hmm. that I, I I can be great at hosting by just like pushing to Netlify. Like my hosting solution rules now. Oh, thanks. I learned nothing,
0: but I'm
1: <laughs> benefiting from that. You know,
0: or it's like I made a React app. I'm a front end developer. I typed. React to string, and now I'm a full stack developer. Yeah, <laughs> you know? is that, or I'm is just that
1: just by virtue of using Next and using it in yeah. a prescribed way, or Gatsby, or something. So much good stuff is happening for me behind the scenes. I didn't have to learn a hell of a lot, and then I threw it on that. Level. Now I'm really full stack. I am so good. You know, I've made all these incredible performance choices, and the site works well. And I've chosen accessible components, and like, my gosh, like. I am. I am not only making this thing happen, but I'm making it happen in an awesome way. You know, no thanks to myself or my skills, but my choices <laughs> are great.
0: <laughs> I've made great choices that give me. And a think of we used good, to think of stack
1: like lamp. We used to think, oh, Linux, Apache, MySQL, PHP. That's the stack that I am working on. I used to think in in that terms all the time, you know, I used to have a little icon in my doc called MAMP and instead of Linux, it was Mac, but everything else was the same. And I used to think of that as my stack. And then I looked, mm-hmm. you know, you look at that acronym, you're like, I don't know anything about any of those technologies. I'm not a PHP developer. I'm a WordPress slinger. I'm not a, mm-hmm. I don't know anything about Linux. I don't know anything about Apache other than that's the one that you change that you're, then you're able to use an HT access file and that's. That's nice once in a while because it allows me to do a handful of things I need to do like cache assets and do redirects and stuff. And yeah, and MySQL, certainly I know it's a database, but I'm not quite, I don't do actual database things. I just know how to import them and export them once in a while if I have to. If I had to do a string replace on them, I maybe could, but very limited knowledge. So I'm on the LAMP stack, but I'm not, I'm a, novice at best at everything on there. Now we don't really talk about stacks like that. And in fact, Sean Wang had a CSS Tricks article not long ago where he named the star stack, which was um, design systems, TypeScript, Apollo GraphQL, and React. And it was like just a lot of people are... A lot of big companies have, have gone there. They're like React Apollo deals mostly, and they tend to write in TypeScript at scale for all the type checking and the nice things that it can do. And then the S is interesting in that because it's already component-driven, people think in design systems and such, and that design systems are almost part of the stack. That is, That is what people think of as a stack these days. And all those technologies are super-duper front-end. So, like, what what a stack has become has been more about what front end choices you make than what back end choices
0: you make. Yeah, there wasn't like a database, a server, or like you know, there wasn't none yeah. of that information was in the, uh, the yeah.
1: People don't even care. Where's your data? I don't know. Who cares? Firebase fauna. Tell me later. Something. Have to figure that out at the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: This episode is sponsored by Datadog, a scalable, full-stack monitoring platform. Get a user's eye view of your front-end services with Datadog Synthetics. You can automatically test your application endpoints with simulated traffic from global locations, allowing your teams to proactively identify and improve issues before they affect your customers. Plus, build multi-step browser tests simply by interacting with your application. Datadog will record your actions and automatically execute the tests and intelligently adapt changes in your UI along the way. You can build your first test today with a free trial of Datadog Synthetics and receive a complimentary T-shirt by visiting dtdg.co/shoptalk. That URL again is dtdg.co/shoptalk to get a free trial of Datadog Synthetics and receive a complimentary T-shirt. That link should also work in your podcast player right now, as well as be on the episode page at shoptalkshow.com. Our thanks to Datadog Synthetics for sponsoring this episode of Shop Talk Show.
0: We are talking about it earlier, but like, you know, X state from David going to murder his last name, K piano or should, yeah, um, I think so. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, X state is kind of like a state driven UIs, you know, um, X, X-State. X state, X yeah, state. Yeah. So I know X state. What's really cool. I, I, I've been fascinated by that. I've been like in the last week or whatever. Um, for no particular reason, not like a reaction to any kind of project or whatever, but I've just been like hanging out in the docs, like just reading all this stuff. Cause I'm just like, you know, I think there's this idea in React that UI is a function of state, right? And, and that's mm-hmm. why you have a reactive UI that responds to the state, you know? Uh, but X state, like, um, it, it's, kind of a quasi store but not really it sort of maybe helps manipulate it but it it is um more like like you just write out the states of your application like inactive active for like a button or something but like you could be like loading loaded you know like it could be whatever
1: Um there and then isn't it intentionally limiting you then to those states? Whereas like a React component has state, the state could be name and the name could be Dave. And if the Dave Dave changes to Chris, then the component will re-render or do whatever it does with state. But now that the state is a string, you have infinite possible states. Mm Because but this is saying like this isn't that. This is like you name the possible states.
0: Yeah, you kind of like predefine what things can be and it just kinda And and from that kind of, I guess you'd call it like strong typing, sort of like, right? Like you've defined what possible values these (laughs) can be. Um, TypeScript for states? Yeah, sort of. Like you you basically like said, hey, you can like, these are the only states the application can be in. So if none of this is like, so you basically do a switch statement is sort of some of the examples they have. And like, Mm -hmm. you're like, if you're in this state, do this. If you're in this state, do this, you're render this partial, render this, you know, function. Um, I, am just really into that. Um, a lot of the examples and there's even like a X X state course that, um, when does that course I have, uh, uh, I have it here. I just want to give credit to, uh, uh learn state machines is the name of it by, uh, John Bella. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, like, I've been poking at that. I'll probably he'll probably get my uh, sixty bucks or whatever it is here. Um, (laughs) Fifty five bucks right now. Smoking deal, but um, uh, a lot of it's in React. You know, something in
1: your brain decided that this is that this this matches your a way that you'd like to think more.
0: I think so. I I mean, because I I think you just like rather than like have you ever coded? And then you're just like, oh, weird. Like when I click this button and it goes and fetches something, uh, but then it doesn't get anything back. Oh yeah. What do we render there? You know um, you you can kind of predefine those flows or that's those options, you know, like, like, and I think that's just maybe more, a smarter way of architecting a component, if that makes sense. Um, you know, some I of your components. I can see that. It hasn't are, really
1: clicked in my brain as well as it did with you. But what I've heard, what, one nice thing that I've heard is that, like, a lot of bugs, all bugs maybe, are are a problem of state in a way that a component got into a state that you weren't expecting it to get into, and that this is not only a way to like, you know. You know slow that down a little bit, but almost make it impossible to get into a state that you weren't expecting. Because not only do these states, you know, are you naming them, but there's like allowed which ones they can move to next, which I kind Mm of, I kind of like, right? Like a, uh, like a, you know, they always use the stoplight as an example, you know, like a red, yellow, green stoplight. Red can't go to yellow. At least in a traditional one, I'm sure there's some stoplight in the world where it can do that. But if you think the most traditional stoplights, red can only go to green, green can only go to yellow, yellow can only go to red. And if you kind of set that up in your state machine, you, you don't get in, you can't cause a bug that gets you into the wrong state or the wrong thing happens. Or if you bold some text and you're trying to unbold it, but you can't, well, there's something that somehow got weird double bold or something like... No, like the state, this state machine defines that text like, can either be unbold and the only po- way away from it is to unbold it. And like you're setting up these like really firm pathways between state that like cannot be violated.
0: And I think they use it, you know, a lot to animate between two. Like, you know, and that's another thing is like, you know, everyone wants that cool like, oh, you signed up. Now it turns to a green checkbox or, you know, you did the... You did the submit credit card. Now it's a checkbox or, um, you know, that's sort of a lot of code and custom events. Yeah. The
1: state is you're logged in and you're, or you're not logged in. And, and then that you can't get into a busted ass state then. Like (laughs) you're like, you can't log out if you're already logged out because the state isn't that way. You'll never see that. I don't know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyway, I just, it's, seems very cool i'm sure it's not without its problems I, you know I, everyone everything has <laughs> like gotchas or whatever like i don't know if you have the state of your drop down as like open or closed, but then what if you only have only one drop down can be open at a time or something you know now you have like another parent component that can only you know like that controls the state of those components it's messy but as long as your component's like, I, I can either be open or closed. You tell me which one you want. So, like, that seems so cool. Like, anyway.
1: I wonder if uh, general, like, component complexity starts to get to me sometimes. You know, when I've thought about this in the past, I'm like, holy, holy crap. So, sometimes components, I've been living this, are responsible for a lot. Like, oh, my God, it's this tiny little rectangle on a page. But it's in charge of its own queries, it's in charge of its own styling, it's in charge of its own little tests, you know, it only accepts certain props and not other props. And, uh, you know, it has its own little internal state management and functions, but it knows how to talk to other components if it has to. And like, and now all of a sudden, I have to define what states it's possible to be in or not be in and things like that. So now you have this one, like a folder with like, you know, a dozen files in it that control different aspects of its existence and you're like holy crap this is this one little component's more complicated than some websites i've created
0: Mm -hmm. yeah
1: can you reason about that that's the danger is like does it become complicated to the point where it stops being it's not it's not easy to figure out what's happening anymore like we've I don't know if that's the case here. If this is the straw that broke that camel's back, I doubt it, but I just can see that camel's back existing anyway.
0: <laughs> you see the camel's back sagging lower <laughs> and lower. There is, I mean, that's, it's tough to be like, this is it. This is the golden calf. We figured it out, you know, with anything. I mean, even like, like, I guess where I was going was like, a lot of this stuff is React based, right? Like, and React is very popular, huge mind share. Um, but for whatever reason, my brain has decided maybe react is not the path I want to take, you know, and that is probably cost, probably cost dollars in the long run. But, um, yeah, I've been looking at, um, web components. I'm a big fan of web components, but they have their problems. Uh, rich Harris wrote a really good post on dev two, um, about it. Uh, he's like, why I don't use web components or something like that. Um, and it was it was really good. It highlighted a lot of the problems I have with uh, web components. They just kind of, they still require JavaScript and, and like a lot of it, if you, unless you're using a framework, you know, and then at that point, if you're using like a framework to manage it, then like what, you know, if I have to use Polymer to manage it, like, well, now I'm in the Polymer ecosystem, you know, and, or, or if I'm using some, off-brand polymer you know now i'm in that ecosystem and i have none of the advantages of like a framework ecosystem like react so yeah you're already
1: bought in on a bunch of stuff at that point i totally agree with that that being a really weird aspect of it when anybody builds builds a component thing that's like this is just a little teeny framework to help make your web components better or something you're like well now you're the thing you're the buy-in
0: you know yeah yeah, you're the and you're the sugar I'm I'm dependent on. Um, lit HTML is and Lit Element are really cool for me. Uh, but there's another like kind of add on to that called Haunted. Um, it's by Matthew P on GitHub. Haunted, which adds hooks to web components, so it adds hooks to uh, adds sorry adds hooks to Lit HTML or Hyper. Hyper people, hyper HTML people like hyper a lot. But it adds hooks to hyper. And I like this because I like hooks, but I don't like React. That's a weird thing about me, Chris. You're mm. gonna have to just accept. But uh, I know that. That's um, nice that
1: they're they they do not it's not even a little bit like hooks. They, they're, exactly, they're exactly exactly like, like
0: hooks. And then my brain's like, oh, if I could squeeze X state in here. Maybe I have the thing for me, you know? Like maybe this, maybe I homebrewed my own framework that has everything I need. I don't know though. I'm, I'm And I don't exactly have the time right now to be like, let me just experiment with writing a framework. You know? This is cool
1: though. Uh, Does it have, is it just use state or is it all the, all the, uh, all the com- hooks?
0: there's a component thing, uh, but it's, um, it's, it's got a use effect, use, state, a use effect, um, use memo. Use uh,
1: reducer wow it's got all the good ones
0: reducer yeah. all the all the hits from hooks yeah
1: um
0: and you can write your own too but but that's kind of like I, i'm just kind of like maybe this has everything i need here and without the uh corporate buy-in if you will um but I, but again i don't know i've never built like any that's sort of good. thing at scale with this so it, Be all theoretical. It is all theoretical at this
1: point. No, you might be onto something here. This could be a little blog post. Even if it was theoretical, I would highly encourage this because you get the because people are like, well, what are you going to do about templating? You know, if you're not using Vue, it's cool model or Angular's model or JSX or whatever. Well, you got Lit, and Lit is nice because it's just template literals. So it's very familiar and nice. And then what are you going to do about state? got it covered i even got lifestyles covered and all kinds of stuff through haunted Mm -hmm. and then and then Xtate is just kind of a dave bonus because you like it but it's took would not wouldn't definitely be necessary you know and then i guess what what would you do about routing and stuff but i guess maybe you just don't go there because yeah
0: that's the tough part right like but uh, you know uh, it could just be like static html with like the elements in the you know you know what i mean like it could be the elements plus like uh, like i think for me i'm less like uh less boner pants about the uh routing features and more i'm more interested in like the like how do i author I'm more interested in the authoring experience, if that makes sense. That's what I like about Vue. The authoring experience is very similar to how I author. So, I mean, I could write a page and just include all my modules at the bottom of the page and it should render. You know, like I could write a static HTML page, Jamstack style, uh, and it should render. But, you know, I, but a lot of people do just want to do all in JS and inject stuff using a router every step of the way. So, I don't have that piece solved. I think it is that that would be an important piece. So to popularize Dave JS. Would so. you do
1: it? looks like all the, the demos for this stuff are like just import it module style, you know? Would you be tempted to go there or would you still like write a little use a bundler of some kind?
0: I I, I think I would just use modules. I, I'm yeah. see this is where I'm I'm kind of um not to get too heady here or whatever, but like I've been frustrated with the state of web development you know uh, and i think i had a lot of misdirected anger <laughs> at you know like sort of who moved my cheese style anger like oh the everything's evolved and i haven't and so now i'm mad you know um but there was some of that but but i think i my first initial thing was like i'm going to i'm mad at webpack cuz webpack makes it all harder and encourages you to just Put twenty thousand files into a thing, you know, mm. um, and I think that was misdirected sort of frustration. I still think like, like, you know, it, there's like an enabling there, uh, but I think like the you know nodes micro bundling strategies are kind of poor, right? Like I, I, I think you know node encouraged everyone to write one single function, you know, packages, and there's a lot of good ones out there, but like that creates dependencies that you don't manage. And that's like security risks, which we've seen time and again. But, um, but, but I think like even more so than that, there's like a, like a knowledge management issue. Almost. It's like, what does this thing do? I have no idea. You know, it's called space pants. What does space pants do? I got to figure this out. I have to go to the docs. I have, Oh, I have to read the entire docs. Cause I still don't know what it does. Um, sort of like this, unless you're like a uh, heavy working knowledge, like it's fully embedded, fully understand it all. Like it, there's a lot of effort to kind of go chase things down. I, I, I felt this like jumping into react projects and stuff like that. It's just like, I mean, this, this is cool, but I have no idea what this does. So I, you know, and so I'll have to figure it out um, like bit by bit. So I think like there's that aspect, the package management system is great. I don't want to, poo-poo that but i think our micro packaging has been somewhat problematic you know um or or just kind of unsustainable in a way like like if you create react app you now have 1500 packages in your system what do they do you don't know some of them you don't need to know what they do but man that's a lot of things doing stuff you don't know you know like like I guess you lose knowledge of what the code is doing, which we kind of talked about before. Like you didn't know what the LAMP stack was doing, but like for me, I just kind of want to know a little bit about the machine I'm using. So also say, I feel like I was a little upset about the NPM ecosystem, but it was so easy and cheap to like import some small function on the server when NPM was a like just the server side stuff, the server side node. Yeah. Um, but now that it's in uh client land or managing the client stuff, I, I think we do have a problem. And and maybe you know, import HTML from lit HTML is way more efficient because lit HTML could have a few dozen functions in there, really. But I'm just pulling out one piece of it. And I, I feel like if we could author like that and then you know, optionally use some packaging or some bundling. And that's kind of what Pika is offering, right? Like a web modules kind of thing. Like, uh, you know, preact has a, a hundred dependencies or something like that. You like Pika install preact and you get one preact bundle. Does that make sense? Like, like it packs up that bundle. So I don't yeah,
1: know. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It's, it's cool in that way, but it, it, it depends on, it doesn't solve the anything for you. Anything that it uses needs to be built in an ES6 friendly way, as far as I. One,
0: yeah, yeah, like requires like ES6, right? Like import syntax to tree shake or whatever.
1: Does ES? Does native? Does native ES6 imports? only uh, are the? is it smart enough to only request that little chunk of what it needs from the whole library
0: no way really. i don't know I, th- I i think it was trying to do that but i think there's too much require code out there if that makes sense so.
2: this episode is brought to you by jetpack the powerful wordpress plugin from automatic that adds security performance and site management tools to wordpress You may already be aware of Jetpack features like Monitor, where you can get alerted anytime your site goes down, or Protect, which guards your site against brute force login attacks, spam, and harmful malware injections, or how it gives you a free image CDN to allow you to embed high-resolution photos on any page without slowing down your site. But some new features they've added to Jetpack are things like the Repeat Visitor Block, where you can roll out the red carpet for a new visitor to welcome them to your site or introduce them to your best-selling products. Or if you wanted to offer something special to the faithful reader who stops by every day, that's what the repeat visitor block is for. And in Jetpack 7.5, they've added Magic Links, which allow you to log into the WordPress mobile app in one click. No passwords, no password manager, no repeated incorrect logins from typing on a tiny phone keyboard. You can just visit the main Jetpack dashboard in your site's admin area and email yourself a magic link by clicking log into the WordPress mobile app. Check your email on your mobile device and click the link and you're in. You can visit jetpack.com to find out more and to get started today with Jetpack on your WordPress blog. Our thanks to Jetpack for sponsoring this episode of Shop Talk Show.
1: Well, so are you saying like when you put like if you if you're really authoring JavaScript and you write import component from lib.js only it's not lib.js it's a whole URL of where that thing is that you'll just like write more responsibly because you just it's you're like I see I am I am making a web request here to
0: yeah like rather than like import jQuery. You know, it's like, I'm, I know I'm only using jQuery wrap. So, or jQuery selector or something. Like, wouldn't it be cool? Like, if we had that in the jQuery days, you could be like import tabs from jQuery UI or something like that. Um, which we kind of would do. Like, you just download the tabs bundle or whatever. But like, like that's kind of the authoring, like where tabs is a complete sort of interface, not just like a bunch of like references to fourth fifth and sixth party packages if that makes sense so that's kind of what i'm looking for but i don't know i don't know if i get it i don't know if i get it but but that's for me i just i want i guess less moving parts sort of that's kind of where i'm coming from i want less moving parts um and less giganto bundles you know we hate monoliths but we, like, still roll up.
1: Uh, it's funny because they, the, they have the possibility to be smaller. Like, when I see an ES6 thing that says import HTML from lit HTML with the full URL, that's not tree-shakeable in ES6, but is tree-shakeable if it's bundled. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like, the bundle thing, like, like the tendency is to abuse it <laughs> and make g- giant packages. But if you don't abuse it, its potential is better, you know? Like, that. there's all these dichotomies like that in web you know or or, where where we've talked about just recently that like just react itself the tendency is to make is to do a bad job with accessibility but the potential is to do a better job it's like so much did you see jonathan snook's post on why did i have difficulty learning react
0: yeah yeah and i really liked it and i i think i had a lot of the same feelings um what, it's snook.ca. Um, like he, he had kind of four, four like categories. All the technologies, uh, kind of like,
1: like I get that one. You're like, look at these little. Look at it. There's like uh, an element, and then dot 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 props or something. you know, and you'd be like, oh, what weird React thing is that? No, that's not a React thing. That's just spread or whatever. What's the opposite of spread? <laughs>
2: The other one
0: uh, is it? I don't name it. There's an opposite of spread. There's like a join operator.
1: Well, one of them is thing dot dot dot, and something is dot 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 thing, right? Aren't they?
0: Oh, really? Well, oh, maybe okay. I have
1: that wrong. Anyway, don't listen and don't write into me because I'll just look <laughs> it up after the show. Sorry. <laughs> one of them is like all the rest of the, I think it, you'd only use dot 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 thing in the fun in the parameters of a function as you declare it, which means just, you know, you accept foo bar and then give me all the rest of them as one big chunk. Whatever they pass.
0: Yeah. You're like, and the rest, right? And the rest.
1: Yeah. It's not the same as spread with whatever. Yeah. 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 Yeah and okay there's that and then you're like well this JSX thing well that's not really react it's just JSX but it's used in the same kind of play so what's the react part well it's just the class model but you know we don't really write classes anymore it's just the so it's confusing like which thing you're looking at does what and it never comes by itself it's always and friends as we've often said on this show and then he, they're using redux so i really don't blame them because when, you know any of the times of the projects have had redux in It wasn't set up by me, and I I never grokked it. And and I was always just like, oh, my cripes. I remember pairing with people time and time again where I'm like, I just want to click this thing and have this thing open. It's like the number one design thing. That's what I put on earth to do. Click on thing, make thing happen. That's like the Chris Coyer thing. That's why I like jQuery because that was easy. You you write dot click on or whatever on click, and then you just change a class and you're done. And you're like, well, to change a class in Redux, we really need to first alter the global store so that it's expecting that state, and then write a dispatcher that will you know dispatch it from this component over to this component over to this component over to, component, over to the global store. And then it will sprinkle that state out into the other components that might need to know about it. And you're like, oh, I kind of get conceptually that's nice because then there's this global store and other components can react to it. But like, I'm like, oh, my God, did click something, do something all of a sudden became 80 lines of code and four components. What happened?
0: Yeah. Well, and there's a bunch of jargon that goes with it, too. Like, you're... Now you have mutations, but your mutations go on the store object. And you're like, what's the store the store? I'm just, this is an e-commerce. And then you're
1: and then I realized through time though that because you did it that way, you've isol- you've protected yourself against stupid bugs and spaghetti code and prob- and legit problems that happen to a code base over time. Like it sucked to write those 80 lines of code, and I did want to push back on that. But it, you know, in the end, it was a little bit more resilient code. Like, I mean, that's why it's everything's a push and shovey
0: thing. Yeah, know? it comes comes with a lot of mental overhead. You know, like, and and it's a very clear pattern of how it evolved to, like, oh, like I've got a lot of state. I need to share state. All right, now I need to manage the state. Like, and but if you just hopped in from zero learning to any you know to like now i work in this like that's a lot to kind of wrap your head around especially if it's just like everyone's like oh it, that's what it is you don't know and you're like uh. i even read that comic that mozilla put out or was it uh oh who lynn is that oh, i'm blanking on the name uh who draws the comics but like drew a comic about uh redux or whatever and i just was like yeah, I get it even less now that I read a comic about it. But anyway. Uh and then he Jonathan got into writing JS differently, you know, like he's very comfortable with like old JavaScript. I I think he wrote books on it. I don't know. But then like getting into like now that all these old frameworks, Dojo, UE, jQuery, prototype, every like don't exist anymore. And now we're using ES5, 6, 7, and 8. And he's just like oh boy, this is a lot of stuff. And then the, like, I think he also mentions like the deep hierarchies, just like you have, like when you build a react app, you have a lot of contexts and consumers and then components that consume components that consume components. So your tree is like wild compared to like a dom tree that you authored by hand. So, so yeah, it's, uh, I, I agree with Jonathan on almost all of these, but yeah.
1: So we'll see what how it shakes out with. Him. I mean, he he was emotionally vulnerable with this, being like, "I I consider quitting my job." Of this, you know, right,
0: right, because it's just like this is so much stuff. Like, thankfully, they were patient with me, and Jonathan's not a dummy; he's very, very smart guy. Uh, but like, he's just like, man, this is was hard enough. I almost gave up. So that just goes to show, right? Like. What might be easy for you is not um, the same for everybody else. So.
1: I would say, you know, if there's people in that moment, like it would just it would feels like a, bit a bummer to me to like lose somebody t- t- to web development entirely just because technology changed a bit. You know, like if you're going to leave tech, it, I would, uh, you know, you can do it for any reason you want to. You know, I don't care but i'd love it if you left just because you've done what you wanted to do and you're tired and you just want to move on and do something else with your life not because you think that the state of tech is such is so garbage that like you know things like syntax have you quitting tech that's too bad
0: yeah like no it. i mean but i i think in some ways like something's gotta break i mean it like i think there's somebody on twitter who just says like like I agree NPM and webpack and everything's great. But what you can't convince me of is like 19,000 dependencies in a folder is a good thing or whatever. Like, like he's just like, like I will say like this stuff is cool, but like you can't like gaslight with me and tell me it's great, you know? And, and that's sort of where I'm at is just like, I like, so, something's too complicated or unnecessarily complicated. How do we fix it? Or, you know are we all solving problems the wrong way or like for us or something or i don't know I yeah don't know.
1: you know i i work with alex vasquez and he's kind of our cto at codepen watches this kind of thing has been doing a really good job of that lately at codepen of being like if something feels complicated just know that it doesn't have to be that way we can fight it we need to stop and talk about it and figure it out and and, you know, like, you're always right to question things when they start feeling weird to you or you don't get it or you have that little internal alarm in your mind that says this is just getting too complicated. And usually there's a, a kind of a way out of it, you know, or like at least that's a moment where everybody needs to talk and you don't just press forward and write another library on top of it to uncomplicated or whatever, you know. Maybe there's just been too much of that that's happened for too long. It's like. It deserves some pushback is what it needs.
0: Yeah. I'm a firm believer in the like 80, 20 rule. Um, And in that, like 80% of problems can be solved by like 20% of effort basically. And you're still going to have like a lot of problems or like, but like I I'm always like, there's gotta be one thing we can do to make this better or or, like one thing we can do to make this 80% better. I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. Um, but it's sometimes finding that is really difficult. So, um, and it's not always a linear process to get there. You know, sometimes you have to go down a bad path to figure out the good path. So,
1: yeah. Tell me about it. Like it's almost required. If if everything seems fine, you're, you're the rarity, you know, usually you have to use tech to find the rough edges. You know, if you don't know what the rough edges are, you haven't used it enough. That's like another Alex thing I'm repeating of his because he's smart in that way. It's like, if you can't tell me what those rough edges, it's almost like an interview question. Like, oh, do you, you know, know this I, technology? Yeah, well, then tell me what the rough edges are, you know, or, or phrase that in a way that's a little more clear. But, um, you know, t- tell me what the limitations and problems are.
0: I think I've heard that from Rebecca Murphy. Like, that's like, oh, you use jQuery or whatever. React? Like, what do you not like about it? you know like and if you can't answer that question like maybe you don't actually use it you know or uh you know and uh, that's and the converse is also true whenever somebody's like this is great it has no problems i'm like so red flag like just <laughs> like really none you had no (laughs) problems with this like yeah well it's it's, either it's a
1: it's two it's one of two things and both of them are bad either you haven't used it that much or you're just not the kind of person that just thinks about and questions anything which is another you know if it's an interview thing that's a little scary too you know
0: yeah yeah it's uh yeah it's i i've had that red light go off a few times and it's just like like I just i almost can't i i almost shut down because I can't process how somebody can come up with no criticism about a technology you know I'm just like it is a it is a technologies are whatever like uh there are lumps of uh like decisions and there are lumps of of uh concessions and trade offs like how is there no problem you know like there's gotta be a problem so and I think that's one thing Dan Abramov from, uh, from Facebook uh, works on React. Like I, I followed him and watched a lot of videos with him. Like he's very he knows the problems with React. He, he's very like I know exactly what is the problem, I, and I see it all the time. Like I help people with React all the time, and it, there's problems. So I think I think that's really cool to see. So
1: nice. All right, well, that's a good place to end it, Mr. Dave.
0: Yep, thank you, uh, dear listener. Tell us your problem. Send them in, audio questions, whatever. We'll, we'll we'll try to crack at them, or we'll find somebody who can answer those questions. Uh, uh, be sure to Starheart favorite this up on your podcatcher of choice. That's how people find out about the show. Follow us on Twitter at ShopTalkShow for tens of tweets a month. And if you hate your job, head over ShopTalkShow.com slash jobs and get a brand new one because people want to hire people like you. And uh, Chris, do you have anything else you'd like to say? Top